Please turn in your Bibles this evening again to the, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Please stand with me if you are able, and we will give our attention to this blessed word. As we are reading this, I would like for you to think of two things. One, God speaking to his children. And number two, a faithful father speaking to his children. <clears throat> Verse one, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity and every good path. Amen. Holy Father, bless thy people. Feed them. And I ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. In eternity before creation, God the Father cherished His Son with holy, perfect, infinite, pure, and unchangeable love. No greater love has ever existed than the Father's love for His Son. As deity, the Father and Son experienced unity, joy, communion, and mutual satisfaction in uninterrupted perfection. That's difficult for us to grasp. Tell me any relationship you have with any human being on earth that has not had some friction at some time. And imagine a relation of pure peace, of pure agreement, of pure Love, earnest, unfailing, unchanging, eternal love. No angry arguments. No differences of opinion. No emotion-fueled conscience controversies existed between them. Ever. At any moment. And when the eternal Son became the incarnate Son, Jesus Christ, His holy life displayed the perfect example of loving obedience and submission to His heavenly Father. He said that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. That's the model. That's the model. That's the model for our relation with heaven. It's the model for our relations on earth. <clears throat> we
We want others to see our love by the way we treat others. The Father loved the Son, and the Son loved the Father. This is the source and pattern for parents and their children. There are no perfect fathers in this world, but there are some good ones. I've said before, I do not say this in any way to disparage my own beloved father. I can say with all of my heart I would love to have had some of the men here to be my father when I was a child. There wouldn't be such a wild ass's colt between my ears had it been the case. But such love, such love, as weak as our love may be, will move a father to protect his children, to protect them physically, to protect them spiritually, to protect them by teaching them to live wisely. We see the father's wisdom passed down to the next generation throughout the book of Proverbs. Here's where fathers can go when they want to learn how to be the fathers that God has called them to be. Not saying it's the only book in the scriptures. Of course, the whole scriptures will make you a more godly, effectual, righteous father. When the Lord first saved me, one of the first things I came to realize was I knew nothing about being the father I was reading about in the scriptures. Nothing. That's uh, a shocking and a very terrifying conclusion to reach. I would come to the Proverbs over and over and over and over again, saying, Lord, give me wisdom. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a father. But this book is full of wise men, good men, and the kind of men that thou savest men and women to be. The wisdom that we need is rooted in God's word, and we do find that in Proverbs, as I have mentioned before, and no doubt will mention again in the future. <clears throat> we have to understand that this book begins by telling us that these are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. Now, it was God's command in the book of Deuteronomy for every king to write out by hand the law. And then to meditate in it every day. Every day. That's what would make a godly and righteous king. And that's what will make a godly and righteous father. That's what will make a godly and righteous wife. But very often with the responsibilities that women have, it is quite difficult for them to have the kind of time that a father should take to feed both his wife and his children. That's very plainly said here in the scriptures. The man that won't have family worship hates his wife and his children because he refuses care for them, to protect them, to feed them, and guide them toward wisdom. Christian fathers know that this world is dangerous, spiritually and physically. They know that wicked men and wicked women can easily lead the naive, the ignorant, the scornful, and the foolish into paths of evil from which they might not return. Not every prodigal comes home. 
The gracious God of heaven and earth has provided a mighty weapon for delivering young people from the earthly paths of destruction and from the eternal jaws of hell. That weapon is parental wisdom. Proverbs talks about it all the time. And it's supposed to be passed down from generation to generation. Parental wisdom. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect children. There are no perfect people in this world, no matter how we may regard them. But there are people that are wise because they hear the word of God and they walk in it. I once heard a a pastor say, we've all been brought up with a job worth doing is worth doing well. He said, well, I want to counter that. He said, I agree with that, but there's, a, there's another side. He said, a, God wor- a, a, a job worth doing is worth doing poorly. Now, that sounds ridiculous at first, but what he's saying is all of us fail at our highest aspirations, but it's worth doing what God has called us to do. So in that sense, not that we would desire to do something poorly, but the fact of the matter is because we fail doesn't mean we need to quit. Because we fail doesn't mean that we just should throw our hands up and say, this is too hard, I will do the easy way. It means we get up and no matter how many times we fall, the Lord will pick us up and put us back in the path. And that should steal, S-T-E-E-L, our hearts. It should make them strong because godly parental wisdom delivers from evil. And that's our title. And that's our subject. Godly parental wisdom delivers from evil. Now, of course... All of that means, according to the word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So may our wise and heavenly Father grant us grace and illumination by his Spirit through our mediator, Christ Jesus. Our first thought is this. Wisdom does not come easily. Wisdom does not come easily. We want to begin by defining wisdom. What do we mean by that? That alone is not easy. There are many many definitions offered of wisdom, uh, but for simplicity's sake, we will use uh, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart's definition. It's this, quote, Wisdom is the God-given skill of navigating life according to God's will. It's the God-given skill. It is something that must be learned and used well. Like someone learning to play the piano, someone learning to use a torch while they're welding, someone who's painting a picture. Any of the kinds of endeavors that men have that are worth doing are usually things that must be learned and then they must be done skillfully. Fatherhood doesn't fall on someone naturally. Being a wise father comes from bowing to our heavenly father and learning from him and then taking those lessons that we learn and starting that difficult task of applying it well. You must learn to be skillful. We're not robots. God did not make us robots. There's some people that seem to have the idea of grace that somehow or another, the Lord just flicks a switch and you start doing things right. What you do is when he comes and gives you life, you start wanting to do things right. 
And then you find out what Paul found out. There's no good thing in my flesh. So I have to learn to be a father from God, the greatest father. I have to learn how to do that which is right. I need a true wisdom, which is a skill, learning. Oh, I've watched some of the men in this congregation doing some of the things God has made them and given them the abilities to do. And I think well, it would take me years to have a skill like that. But if that's what I wanted, that's what I'd be working for. That's what I'd be working. I'd say, there's the model, and I want to learn, and show me <laughs> until you've had enough. I will stay with it until I can do it. Now, you know that's what you do about the things you want to do. What we as Christians should do is desire to become skillful, skillful at navigating life according to God's will. So wisdom is a gift of God's grace, but it requires intense prayer, <clears throat> study, uh-oh, study, thinking, experience. You've got to fail to know how it goes right. Everybody knows that here. No one just put you on a bicycle, let go, and said, go. My, my father-in-law, who I miss dearly, uh, got tired of seeing one of the children, uh, not his children, they were, I think they were nephews or at least some kind of relative. And there was one little one that just wasn't getting it. He wasn't getting that tricycle. He, he was a repairman, and uh, he could fix just about anything on the planet. He got up. He went and got some duct tape. He duct taped the, children, the child's feet to the pedals and then pushed him. <laughs> and his little feet started going like that. <laughs> and he started getting it. Right? He wanted to ride that bike. He needed some skill. He just couldn't quite get it. And someone helped him. That may not be the help that we would all be looking for, but it's real. It's someone who knows that child's having trouble with this or that. We're going to work on that. Let me take what God has given me and, Lord, what I don't have, show me. We need to do that in our own lives. We need to do it with one another. Sometimes we need our feet duct taped to the pedals and a little push. To get going. Wisdom is a gift of God's grace. Wisdom is not a frame of mind. It is a way of life. Frame of mind is just a, a, a psychological feeling or something like that. that. That's not wisdom. While we must have our minds gorged with the truth in order to be wise, the fact of the matter is it's all about living it out. Living. That's exactly what this father is doing with his son. He's saying, listen, son, there are some things you've got to know. And then you've got to live it. Wisdom is a skill. And while some people have a greater aptness for it we all have to learn it in this world Jesus at 12 grew in wisdom and stature with men he grew he understood more things as he grew so <clears throat> the purpose or the pursuit of wisdom makes us lifelong students. The pursuit of wisdom. Now, I have to ask all of us, and I begin right here. Am I praying? Am I pleading with God to make me wise? Show me how to be skillful so that I can navigate this life to bring thee glory and to edify thy people. Or are we just kind of walking along expecting him like to treat, a, uh, treat us like robots. Oh, just all of a sudden, 
the God thing falls on me. I don't like that term. I hear it all the time. Oh, it's a God thing. Well, it doesn't just happen. He's given you the Spirit. He's given you His Word. He's given you His people. He's given His Son. He's given you absolutely everything necessary to walk with Him. We have to learn how to do it. It's not easy, but it's doable because he's committed to you and to me for us to walk that way. We have a heavenly father who's not up there laughing at how poorly we we do things or angry that he's going to come and throw a thunderbolt on us. He wants us to learn. He wants us to think. He wants us to be wise and skillfully navigate. Solomon has told us the purpose of this book, to know wisdom and instruction. That's to know it. But as he goes through the book, he also tells us how to apply it. That's where it gets really tough, but that's where the greatest fruit comes. That's where the glories of God begin to abound in our lives. I love that part in a child's life. I know that some of you have had this experience far more times than I did. But there would be that that baby lying on on the blanket in the living room, arms and legs finally start moving. And then... They roll over, and they look like they're trying to swim. And then they get up on their knees and their hands. And you know it's not going to be long before your life really changes because they're going to be walking. But they start rocking. They rock on those hands and knees. It's beautiful to me, absolutely beautiful, because I know something's coming. (laughs) It's coming, too. And then they get up and they start to walk and they, they walk those funny little walks and they're extraordinary. How many times do they just get up and go, well, I've been waiting for the moment and they walk to you without any problem? Ever happen? Or did you say, come on, come, come, come. You hold their hands and you walk them and they have those funny steps. But after a while, they're starting to walk like real people. And after a while, they don't even want you to hold a hand. They want to walk. There's something in them driving them. They want something. They see the people, the, the larger people around them moving and doing things. And they want to do those things. They want to do it. And so they keep going. How many times did those little ones fall? How many times did they make that funny falling on their, sit down on their diaper. It's, it's tremendous. What's happening? They're learning a skill. And they're going to keep doing it until they have it. They want it. And they go for it. Now, is that us? That's the question. Are we saying, there's wisdom. I don't have much but I want as much as the Lord will give me. And I'm going to keep walking that way no matter how many times I fall on my face, no many times I have to have someone pick me up. I'm going for that until I have it. Or are we just sitting and kind of reading a chapter once in a while and hoping something falls on us? I hope you're getting the picture here. Wisdom is a skill. It's taking God's truth And reshaping our lives by his grace. All of it's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit. And the truth of God's word. It is a great pursuit. And we need to be trained in that skill. Solomon has told us, as I said. The purpose of the book, to know wisdom and instruction. And he's given us the theological basis for it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Verse 7 of chapter 1. 
Solomon has also made clear that parents, especially fathers, we don't leave mom out, but there is a focus on fathers because they are the spiritual barometer of the house. If they're not leading the house, they're not doing what God has saved them to do. Solomon has made clear that parents, especially fathers, are to instruct and discipline their children in God's wisdom. That means they have to have some of it themselves. But that means they have to seek the living God for it. I can tell you, I've seen him take the most worthless excuses for husbands and make them skillful in walking with him. That's what he does. He took his enemy, Paul, and made him a great and mighty apostle of all things to the Gentiles. Hmm. When you read Romans 14, you will see some of the extraordinary skill that God taught him in dealing with both Jew and Gentile. There's brilliant pastoral wisdom taking place in that chapter. Didn't come overnight. Chapter 2. Chapter, uh, oh, and uh, this wisdom is here. Listen carefully. My son. And those are words of endearment, by the way. That's not just a nice uh, title. Especially here in the books of wisdom, my son is a very special term of endearment. My son, listen to me, not just, all right, boy, get it. It's my son. That's important because God had a son. He loved his son. So, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. So chapter 2 begins with the father's instruction. <clears throat> once, once in a while, I remind us, chapter headings were not there when the Bible was written, either in the Old or the New Testament. There were no numbers on verses. And very often, it was easier to follow the arguments because of that. Sometimes the numbers don't help us. They're great addresses. Turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Right, that's that's helpful. You know, we're not saying, okay, turn, <laughs> everyone roll your scroll until you get to this paragraph that begins like this. <clears throat> so, chapter 2 begins with the Father's instruction. It might surprise us to know that chapter 2 of Proverbs is one long sentence in Hebrew. That's 22 verses worth of a sentence. And clearly he changes his thought throughout it. But it's one sentence. Uh, one commentator said, quote, Indeed, it is as if the father took a deep breath and uttered the contents of the entire chapter in one long sentence. Verses 1 through 5 begin with this simple but crucial thought. Here's the underlying uh, thought that you, you and I both need to grasp. Wisdom does not come easily. Simple, isn't it? Wisdom does not come easily. You can be smarter than somebody else, but that doesn't mean you have a thimble full of wisdom. And I've known some smart people, didn't study for a single test, walked in, straight A's, all that kind of stuff, but they didn't have the first bit of common sense in life. Being smart is handy if you're wise. But if you're not wise, it doesn't do you that much good. Not with people anyway. So wisdom does not come easily. It's because of our fallenness, not because of wisdom. It's because of us. So in our text, the father teaches his son by giving three conditional sentences <clears throat> 
We're going to talk about that in just a moment. The father, and then uh, now the father gives his dearly loved son conditions for seeking wisdom. How is he going to seek wisdom? Just to look at someone and say, get wisdom, it's not going to help them much. They know what they ought to do, but how do you get there? And the father here, the wise father, tells his son. <clears throat> he gives him three conditions. Here's the, here's the three that he begins with. We all understand conditional sentences, even if we don't know the formal name for them. Right? This is a, a part of grammar that we all, I imagine, know very clearly, even if we didn't know they were called conditional sentences. They are if-then sentences. The condition, if, and the consequence, then. Conditional sentences have those two parts. God promised Israel, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. It's conditional. There is a condition that must be met in order to reach the, con uh, the, the consequence. And the consequence is rests on whether you keep the condition or not. There's a consequence for both. Then, <clears throat> children and young people. Oh, you need to understand this. With all of my heart, I pray that you do. In fact, I'm sure you understand the notion. I, I can begin by, by saying I'm sure you, you understand the notion of a conditional sentence. <clears throat> your parents say such things as, if you eat all your food, then you may have dessert. Or if you do this, this will be the result. If you do your homework, then you can visit with your friends, play. Uh, if you do that again, uh, you're not going to that party this Saturday. We live with conditional sentences, and they're actually very important. The Bible's full of them. The Bible is full of them because there are consequences in a world where there is right and wrong. You must know what is right and what is wrong. So conditional sentences are an important part of wisdom and decision making. They make us think. If you have a condition set before you, you've got to think about the consequence that comes with it. And you've got to make decisions and you will do them all your life. And you'll do them skillfully, or you'll do them with very painful consequences. These kinds of sentences force us to think. They make us consider our actions, and they press us to evaluate the consequences. Is this worth doing that? Now, we always need to make sure that we know what the consequences are. But when we know the consequence, how we decide speaks of our character. Does it make sense? Why are there books of wisdom in the Bible? Because we don't come into the world with holy wisdom. And we need it desperately. Here is a father teaching what appears to be a young man, either his late teens or maybe his early 20s. That's what most of the commentators I have read imagine because he talks to them about very mature and sometimes adult things. <clears throat> Therefore, to show his son the importance of seeking wisdom, the father gives three conditions in verses 1 through 4. Three ifs before he says, then. So condition number one is receiving and internalizing. Receiving and internalizing. 
God, through the mouth of the Father, gives the first condition. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Now, the uh, United Bible Society's handbook on Proverbs says that we may understand the Hebrew here to mean, put my words in your heart. That's the idea. Put my words into your heart. This is a father. Now, we have to understand, <clears throat> there was a greater love and respect for fathers in those days than there are in our day. Let's also remember, this is a society that has covenant law of Ten Commandments. And the fifth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother. This is the command of God. In fact, staying in the land determines on whether, if you honor your father and your mother. If you read Deuteronomy carefully and then read the Proverbs, you'll be amazed at how often you see Proverbs actually just giving commentary on the law. Because that's what the covenant was about. That's what God gave his people. He even says, this will be your righteousness. This will be your wisdom if you walk in my laws. So the father who knows those laws, he's a king, is sitting with his son and explaining life to him and explaining it through the eyes of God's word. This is loving your son. This is loving your daughter. This is loving your wife. Put my words in your heart. You see the responsibility of a father. He doesn't say just put God's word in, which is true. But he's saying, I'm telling you how to live. You know what it's based on. You need to hear what I'm saying. My father was not a believer. That was one of, one of my great sorrows. We didn't talk much. He gave me some counsel a few times. But one of the things that he said to me is, son, if you don't know how to do something that's your responsibility to do, you better find somebody who knows how to do it. I have been doing that the rest of my life. <clears throat> and that was just my lost father's counsel. You don't know how, find out. Find out from someone who can. Go for it and learn it. That's what I try to do. Now, we've got a situation like this, but this father is the wisest man that ever lived, and he's also full of the scriptures. He has to meditate in them day and night. So he says, put my words in your heart. We can turn it around this way. And if we were looking at the son, we could say, listen to your dad. Write my words on your heart. The father follows that with, if thou wilt, hide my commandments with thee. <clears throat> which means treasure up my commandments, store up my commandments. I'm going to tell you to do some things. I'm going to tell you some things to beware of and to stay away from. Take them into your heart. Believe what I'm saying to you. Live according to them. That is a father who is honoring God and bringing glory to his name because he's telling the next generation God's truth and how to walk in it. That's vital. Fathers can change the entire nation of this, of, of, of our sick and pathetic and perverse nation. It will cost many of them their lives, but they could utterly change what's going on out here if they would simply do what God has called them to do. Solomon's doing it. Solomon is sitting down with his son and he's saying, listen, this is not going to be easy, but I want you to do it. 
Take in my words and walk in them. The idea is that when it says store up my commandments, the idea is keeping something hidden that's precious, hiding something. It's like if you've ever known anybody that has like a wall safe or a free sanding safe, that thing, you, you can't get into that. Uh, they've made them so it's very difficult for, for people to get into them. And something precious goes in there to protect it. This is exactly the picture here is that we should be taking what dad says that comes from God's word and hiding it in our heart as a treasure because he's telling us what God wants us to do. And this isn't just, now look, we're going to be Steelers fans in this family. You don't have to put that one up. But when it's God's word, you want to listen. Young people, listen. Listen to your parents when they give you God's word. They're not always going to handle it perfectly. But I can tell you one thing. If they're doing it because their heart's desire is to glorify Jesus Christ, they're doing it because they love him and they love you. This is God's work. The father does not simply want his son to have his words buzzing in his ears. He wants his son to understand those words, believe them, and internalize them so that they will live according to them. Now stop and listen. Remember when we read, I said, I want you to think about two things. This is not only about a physical human father sitting down and talking to his son. This is our heavenly father talking to us. In fact, that's the way some commentators read it. Because it is the word of God. God is saying to his children, if, then, if, then, if, then. Three of them here. <clears throat> to internalize means to adopt an idea or a belief as your own. It isn't just hearing and saying, oh, that's what dad believes. But it's like, God has instructed my dad, and dad is God's representative in the house, and he needs to speak God's word to me. Okay. That's what it is. I will own what my father is telling me if it is indeed the word of God. You say, that could be dangerous. Sure could. There's some fathers that would abuse that. Yes, have you ever abused God's word? Have you ever thought it said something and years down the road found out it said something else, meant something else? Now, I'm talking about faithful fathers here. There are many that call themselves Christians and they'll bring home the paycheck, but they will not sit down and nurture their children's souls. And they will answer to God for that. Well, that's what we pay that preacher for. No, it's not. <laughs> the pastor is to teach God's word and the fathers and the mothers, but especially the fathers, are to hear the word of God and walk in it, take it home and ask their children, what did the pastor preach on this morning? Was there something about it that was useful to you? Was there something that, what, can you remember what verse he, he talked from? What passage was he in? Can you tell me what book he was speaking from? And what did he say? Can, just tell me one thing that he said. Now, what does that mean? Let's talk about that. What do you see here in this book if you sit down and read it carefully? God speaking to his children and pastors are to give them to God's children. And you see fathers reciprocating and giving them to, I mean, going to the next generation and giving them to them. It should be going from generation to generation. <clears throat> oh, Young people, you need to internalize what God is saying through your father. That will mean you, you must listen carefully. 
The father is saying, what we're actually seeing Solomon do is he's saying, my son, I believe God's covenant law and God's truth, and I want to navigate my life skillfully according to what God says. I want you to do the same thing. You're a man, you're a boy, you're a male, you're a man, and I want you to walk like a man, and I want you to talk like a man. I want you to think like a man. Our Savior was a man. He's the model. Look at him. Well, he was God incarnate. Yes, that's true. But my son, if he dwells in you by his spirit, you're in union with him. And he can show you those words. And he can teach you to guide your family. Oh, if he can take fools, and he does and he did, and teach them how to love his wife and love his children. He can do it to anybody. But there needs to be a desire. That's what the ifs are about. Is there any desire in you for this? Condition number one. If thou wilt receive my words. If Thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments. Treasure them in your heart. Own them. And then number two, condition two, crying out and lifting up. <laughs> if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. What's he telling his son to do? He's saying, son, pray. Pray to God. Pray that he will make you wise. Pray that he will open your eyes, open your hearts, and teach you how to walk like a righteous man. Pray. Pray. Cry out to God. There's something active here. Can you see it? It's not just, now I lay me down to sleep. It's like, God, I want to be a wise man. I want to be a wise woman. I want to be wise, I, whether I'm young or whether I'm old. I want to be wise. I want to honor the Most High God. I want to be an encouragement to those around me, not an anchor dragging them to hell with me. I want to be wise. I don't want to be cool. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be a celebrity. I want to be wise. Cry out after knowledge. Lift up your voice for understanding. Help me to understand. I look at the things around me. There are days, Lord, I don't get it. I'm still saying that. But I'm crying out. I'm lifting up my voice. And I know some of you do the same thing. I want to be wise. In this world gone insane... There need to be wise men, wise women. Oh, there were wise women in, in Israel that were a great blessing to the nation. Oh, the father is saying, son, I don't want a simple act of hearing, just an audio experience. Bend your heart purposefully and extend your entire inner being towards God and his word. Get serious. Because there's only one other option if you're not wise. Being a fool. There aren't any other options. That's it. Wise and fool. You will be foolish in your decisions. Foolish in the things that you think, uh, in the things that you buy, in the things that you want to be. You will be foolish foolish but if you're wise you want to be what God wants you to be what he made you to be and what he saves you to be and you can that's the wonderful news thankfully because of the gospel and because of God's glorious work within us condition two is crying out and lifting up do you hear the words it doesn't say now if you can make time, oh, I know you're busy. Now, if you can make a little time to do this or a little time to do that, 
um, you know, sit down, uh, read, you know, uh, very sleepily, half awake, uh, re read three or four sentences, and then go on with your life. No. It means wrestling with God. I'm not wise. I acknowledge it. Help me, O oh Lord, to be wise. I want to be like my Lord. I want my life to count in his kingdom for doing good. When he was filled with the Holy Spirit, what does it say about him? He went about doing good. Wasn't trying to be famous. In fact, many times he was hiding his work. Okay, go to the priest, talk to him. Don't go tell anybody else about this. Now, people would disobey him. But he wasn't there to be a rock star. He was there to do the will of God. Son, don't just have an audio experience. Bend yourself towards God and light of its truth will order your life. The light of his truth. Well, <clears throat> I can put this another way. When we talk about God crying, I mean, uh, the son crying out. <clears throat> Some, my son, you lack something that you desperately need is what the father is saying here. You lack something that you desperately need. Teaching by the very nature means that we're ignorant. We would need no teachers if we all knew everything. We have teachers because we're ignorant. God gave us a book, didn't give us a movie. He gave us a book and he wants us to hear and read this book. So saying, son, you lack something that you desperately need. The, and woman wisdom alone has it. Woman wisdom is that character that shows up first in chapter one and uh, is prominent all the way through chapter nine. Uh, he says to his son, look, she's out there in the streets. Read chapter one. Read it. Read carefully. Listen to the way dad tells the story. This great wise man says, woman wisdom's out there. She's standing on the street corner. We have street preachers here. We have them out on st street corners all the time. Well, that's kind of the picture that Solomon's uh, painting for his son. He said, She's at the head of the street. She's in the marketplace. She's yelling at everybody. Who's she yelling at? The young men. She's yelling at the young men. I am wisdom. I will give it to you. Don't stay in your foolishness. But they don't come. There's an if. Come. There's a consequence. If you don't come, I will laugh at you when your life brings the destruction that it's begging. He said, make sure you get wisdom. You want a, a woman to know, you need to know woman wisdom. That's just another way of saying, you need to know how to walk with God. You need to know how to walk in his word. And we learn it. It doesn't just fall on us. We learn it. Well, Solomon is actually going on with this. He's, <laughs> he's saying, woman wisdom is shouting at you. She's lifting up her voice. He says, now, son, I want you to shout back. I hear you. Okay. I'll go in that path. Shouting to young men to repent. And they won't. Shouting to young men to listen. Son, cry out to her. Lift your voice up and shout back. I hear you. I must have the knowledge of God. I must understand his word and his ways. And I want to walk in them. That's my heart's desire. That woman will hear that cry. Wisdom. Now, what we're talking about is God giving wisdom to those who cry out to him, who mean business with him, who understand their deficit when it comes to righteous thinking. And crying out and saying, I, I need it. 
And then the word comes to us and says this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He won't even uh, scold you for saying, I need wisdom. In fact, he'll give it to you. That not remarkable. We can't earn it. But he does want us to come and seek him on it. Condition number three, seeking and searching. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest as her, uh, searcheth for her as for hid treasures. Now, let's be honest. The years that I started reading the, the Proverbs, there was a time when I came to myself and said, am I searching for God's wisdom like precious metals? Is that what I'm doing? Or am I just learning a few more facts to argue with the sky? Or am I just learning a few more facts so that I feel more righteous than you? Oh, the flesh in religion Puts on all kind of clothes, but not the robes of righteousness. Oh, you got to watch religious pride, y'all. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. Get the picture? Looking for it. Digging for it. Exerting energy to get it. Not that we earn it. But that we show God, I want this. I want to glorify you. I want to walk in your wisdom. I want to walk in your wisdom. This is a remarkable illustration. Throughout Proverbs, Solomon compares wisdom to precious metals. <clears throat> and here it is silver. My own dear son once saved and saved his money to buy a metal detector. He had read that some people get rich simply by taking leisurely walks through fields and yards with a metal detector. He would work as hard as he could to finish his homework and his chores so that he could go and search for hidden treasure. Now, he didn't like homework. But the thought of getting out there with, that, with his uh, metal detector that was overwhelming. He would knock his work out, and then he'd go. Why? There was something bigger that he wanted. And whatever he needed to do to get there, he was going to do it. That's what the Father's talking about here. Do you want wisdom? Do you want wisdom? Come and get it. I've got it for you. Come and get it. Sometimes it takes really crying out. Lord, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I cannot figure this out. You've given me a, um, a spiritual math problem that I can't cipher. Help. And he will. He will. I guarantee it. Sometimes he makes you wait. But he will. The father is saying to the son, <clears throat> son, the search for wisdom is of the highest priority. Finding her means finding unimaginable treasure. Far beyond anything my son would find with a metal detector. Immeasurable wealth. What's he talking about? Him. You will know God. You will understand the fear of the Lord. You will know the great and glorious God. You will know my son. You will know my spirit. I will begin to open up my word to you. You want wisdom. If the only motivation to study the word of God comes from, oh, well, <clears throat> the pastor got all hot and foamy and frothy and said we need to read the Bible so I you know I feel guilty enough that I'll do it don't waste God's time don't worry about the froth 
Don't waste God's time. Come and say, here's your book. Teach me. Teach me wisdom. Teach me to know thee. Teach me how to navigate. How do I love my wife as Christ loved the church? How do I do that? I want wisdom in it. It's not going to be simply repeating as often as you can, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Haven't you got that yet? That's not the way. You need wisdom. You need wise dealings because God has been wise and gracious with you. Learn how to be wise and gracious with your wife, with your children. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. All those children are different. You know what you've done with the first one? You start trying to do it with the second one. It's not quite working. Wisdom. God gives it. He does. He wants us wise. He spilled the blood of his son for us to be wise. We just have to learn the skill. And he wonderfully does it. He does it in your study of the word. He does it from pastors. He does it from wise and good books that have been written according to the word of God. There are many ways that he teaches us these things. But then we have to live them. We have to live them. We can't just talk about it. Uh oh. In verses 1 through 4, the Father shows the necessity, the intensity, and the passion of seeking wisdom by giving those three conditional sentences and then by piling up powerful active verbs. He says to his son, receive, hide, cry out, lift up, seek, and search. And then he brings the consequence, finally, after all those ifs. And what is it? Then, the father says, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. It's all about getting to God. It's all about understanding God. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Don't let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this that he knoweth and understandeth me. That's what God says. Find the knowledge of the Lord. Well, I need to stop. We will, we will come back to this wonderful passage because in it, we not only see a father's heart, we see God the Father's heart. The very heart that gave us his son. I at least have to say this before I close. <clears throat> God in his love for his people gave his only begotten son. He gave him so that we might not only be saved. It's so sad that easy believism makes virtually everything about Jesus just, just, I'm going to be in heaven someday. Now, that's a glorious hope. That is a I'm not diminishing it. I want to be there. But it's more than that. Between now and then, the Lord is making a race <laughs> of wise people. He loves them, he gives them his word, he gives them his spirit, and he even tells them, if you'll do this, then that. Do you want to understand the fear of the Lord? Pray. Cry out until he starts opening up those mysteries. That's essentially what he's telling his son. The wisest man that ever lived urges his son to these things. Because God, our Heavenly Father, urges us to these things. Let us seek the wisdom of God. And it, that most beautifully is set forth in Christ, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom. Watch where we'll take up 
next time because that's the most important part. It is ultimately to know Christ and live like he calls us to. To glorify him and love him with all the heart, soul, and mind. We need our minds to be wise. We need his words for our minds. Amen. Father, we thank you so much that you will not leave us in our foolishness. That your very purpose is to make us wise men and women. Wise, skillful in our judgments and in our determinations. How far short we fall. But oh God, how glorious that thou dost pick us up, teach us where we fell and how we fell. And then give us the strength to go and try again just to bring thee glory. Jesus fell under his cross. We do too. Help us, O oh Lord, to be strong in the path and help us to use our minds to bring thee glory. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, brethren, if you would stand with me, we will be dismissed. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's go in the name of our wise God.